Be ready for everything and anything. Every good player has the ability to slow the game down. It doesn't matter what just happened, it's what you're gonna do next. This episode is brought to you by Smushball, the official training ball of Zone Sports Academy. How many times do you go to a game and there's no batting cages, no nets, and you only have a field to hit into? No problem. Smushballs are excellent because you can use them for hitting, fielding, catching, blocking, throwing, and much more. Smushballs are the perfect practice ball to use indoors or outdoors, in rain or cold conditions, against fences, nets, and even in basements. We love them for all ages and skill levels. Smush balls, the pliable ball that you can count on. Welcome to the Get Zoned In podcast. For coaches looking to improve their skills and knowledge both on and off the field. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, this podcast is for you. We'll be exploring a variety of topics that are relevant and important to baseball and softball coaches. But this advice can be used for all sports and skill levels. Join us as we dive into the world of coaching and learn from some of the best in the business. Whether you're looking to improve your team's performance or just want to make a positive impact on your players, we've got you covered. Let's go and let's play ball. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Get Zoned In podcast for coaches to improve their skills and knowledge both on and off the field. Today we have a very special guest with us. James Lowe, a.k.a. Coach Ballgame. Coach Ballgame's recently been hired as the Youth Ambassador for Major League Baseball, and we are thrilled to have him on our show. James Lowe is a graduate of Brown University and the owner of Coach Ballgame Sandlots. He's known for his unique and playful approach to teaching kids the fundamentals of baseball while also emphasizing the importance of building positive character and having fun. Yeah, guys, really, really excited for today. Coach Ballgame, he's created an awesome approach for teaching skills to children of all ages and ability levels. He keeps it fun, he keeps it exciting, and he keeps his kids engaged. He values the importance of character and teaches his players to make good choices, to be kind, to have positive energy, and works to instill the same life lessons that we talk about so often. A couple of fun facts about Coach Ballgame. He recently signed a two-year extension with the MLB Youth Youth Association and Play Ball Camps. He's done play ball camps at the College World Series, the MLB All-Star Game, the World Series, and achieved his dream by throwing out the first pitch at Wrigley Field. Get ready for an awesome and an exciting conversation with Coach Ballgame. We're going to dive into his unique approach of teaching baseball skills, building character, and having an absurd amount of fun. Welcome, Coach. Thanks so much for joining us today. Man, oh man, I mean, you're speaking my love language with these words of affirmation. So uh, I, I think I'm good. I, I appreciate having me on. Bye bye, guys. <laughs> so, coach, let me ask you this, you know, what, what got you loving the game so much? What got what, you know, what inspired you to love the game? Harry Carey and Andre Dawson and and my dad and my brothers and my backyard. I grew up in North Carolina uh nothing but red clay back there in in north carolina and we had a small house and a big backyard and i had two older brothers much older than me so they they would uh they would teach me the the game and then dad would would be back there and he'd he'd teach us all how to love the game that that was when i really uh found the love for the game is just watching my dad play he played baseball, then he played softball, and and then just watching baseball games on TV with my dad, uh, and just see the joy he had, the, the joy he got from the game, 
And, and then, you know, the Cubbies were on WGN. When I'd come home from school, I'd make a big bowl of applesauce, and they'd they'd be the only game on TV. So Andre Dawson was my favorite player. Harry Carey's calling the games. And, and, and for a, a kid that was just a little – left of center on everything a little odd a little, little quirky harry carey uh was a beautiful narration to my youth so playing in the backyard inviting neighbors and friends over uh if we if we hit it towards third base it hit this big oak tree so we had to hit it towards center field or right field if we hit the house it was a double if you hit the top of the house it was a triple if you hit it over the house it was a home run if you hit it across the road the dog would eat it so we, we'd use tennis balls back there, and that, that's where I fell in love with the game. And then, and then Little League came around, middle school ball, high school ball, and before you know it, I'm, I'm the center fielder for the Brown University Bears. So all that to say, uh, Dad and Harry Carey. How about that? That's awesome, man. I think we all have similar stories to that. You know, I remember growing up playing tennis ball, baseball in the front yards. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about my childhood and – what the what the foul poles were, what was out of play, what what uh you know was designated as the home run territory. So it's cool and you know, I get that feel watching your videos that, you know, you bring your childhood into into your videos. You know, when you got the kids at the park or at the sandlot, you know, it's a lot of that, you know, kind of backyard action. It's not uh nothing fancy, nothing crazy. Well, that came from anger, actually, and a chip on my shoulder. Uh as as kids would come to my camps, you know, back in my early coaching days, uh, I want to say the nineties, but it was, it was the early two thousands and, and kids were starting to come up to me and say, Hey, coach ball game. I love your camp, but I'm going to quit baseball. It's boring. Uh, it's not fun. Coaches are yelling at players. Parents are yelling at umpires. It's toxic. It's negative. Uh, my travel ball coach won't let me play soccer. My travel ball coach won't let me play, uh, be on the chess team or, 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 or play other sports. I got to play baseball year round uh, on this team. Uh, and, and I just started to hear story after story and say that I thought that was a one-off. That was just one bad coach or one bad experience, but no, they kept on coming. So to kind of turn that narrative and, and, and whatever toxic energy was seeping into my game and into youth sports, I had to flip it on its head and say, well, why did I fall in love with the game? Uh, because I had I had people in my life, adults, that didn't put pressure on me to have great results. They they showed me how fun this game could be, and and they said, "Go play and and fall flat on your face. Have this freedom to fail, and, and I think you'll love it when you get older." And now here I am, forty years old, and and I'm in love with the game of baseball. And a lot of that is due to. Well, I had a, I had a dad that would sit way back uh, behind the left field fence and and drink wild cherry Pepsi and if I hit a home run, easy does it. Nice job, and a boy. If I went 0 for five, yeah, that's baseball. Get him tomorrow. It was this even keel that I'm just not seeing in in youth sports anymore from the bleachers. It's an anxiety. It's a hang on every moment and. It makes me nauseous to the point where I can't go watch little league games or travel ball games, and I'll have. So I started, I started my own league. I started the Sandlot, where uh, you know I find a field, uh, and usually it's it, there's no dugouts, there's no dirt, it's just grass. But there's this backstop 
And I, I thought, well, why is there a backstop there? I, every town I go through, there's these fields and then there's this backstop. Somebody built that thing for a reason. Uh, let's, let's do a sandlot there. Nobody's using it. No little leagues, no soccer teams. So I started finding those fields and dropping down bases and, and kids uh, were starting to smile. Uh, the youngest of kids who had never played the game. Wow, this is fun. I want to come back tomorrow. Older kids who had played travel ball. Wow, this is fun coach ball game. I'm used to, I'm used to baseball being a job. This is actually really fun. Uh, so it, it, it kind of hit every personality, every skill level. And then when parents would come up after the sandlot, they'd say, you know, I was expecting two hours of anxiety. I was expecting to just stare at the scoreboard and, and wish my kid to go four for four. Meanwhile, that was like 90 minutes of a birthday party. It felt like a party. And I said, that's because there's this correlation between having fun and playing better. When this kid isn't afraid of messing up, isn't afraid they're going to get yelled at in the car ride home, they're going to play better. In that batter's box, in that high leverage moment, yeah, they're going to strike out, but they're not going to be afraid of striking out. Uh, it's okay to strike out. It's not okay to be afraid of it. So when, when you take the fear piece out of it, kids play better and you'll win more. Uh, not that winning matters uh, at that youth age. I think the, the cons outweigh the pros when it's win at all costs. So seeing that win at all costs culture seep into my game, I, I got angry. I had to do something about it. And so I created a little sandlot. I think that's awesome. I think that, uh, you know, with a lot of the stuff that we do here, we kind of had that same feeling towards coaches and how the coaches, you know, treat the players. And, and it's almost like they want to coach the way that they were coached back in the day. And it's screaming and yelling and hollering. And we run our coaches clinics here. And it's awesome. They have to wear sneakers. They have to bring their gloves. And we just, we get them on a baseball knee. And half of them never even coached before. And it's like, here we go. We're going to learn how to throw. We're going to learn how to field. And we have competitions. And we there's bubble gum being tossed out. And these guys just start smiling like, Man, this is so fun. I'm like, now it's your job as you take on the title of coach. That's how you wrote the book, taking on the title of coach. Your job is to make it fun for the kids. And here's how. Here's how you run a practice. Here's how you create fun stations and competitions. And if you're not having fun, they're not having fun. So we're trying to do the same thing you're doing with the kids in the coaching realm. And that's where Dominate the Diamond was born for that reason of helping that coach that their eight-year-old said, hey, daddy, will you coach me? And that dad has no clue what he's doing. Give him the tools to be like, okay, where do I start? Hey, come on down to a clinic and we'll teach you exactly how to have fun because at the end of the day, them playing next year is way more important than winning five championships this year. And if they can think of it that way, you know, we've done a good job. Yeah, you're doing God's work. And and I, I had to learn the hard way as a young coach right out of college at 23. I'm uh, the assistant coach at this baseball camp with my friend. And I needed mentors to really show me uh, how to coach young kids. I was coaching these four, five, six, seven-year-olds. And I was expecting them to uh, hustle uh, like I did, the, the obsessed baseball kid as a seven-year-old, or to... Um, 
you know, to move their feet correctly on a ground ball. And if they didn't do it, they needed to get yelled at. So uh, even me, uh, you know, the the antithesis of of the yelling coach, that's how I started. I started as a bad coach. I, I think a lot of electricians and plumbers and doctors and nurses that that go into this coaching kids thing, they come from the same place. I mean, it stems from a lack of self-confidence. I mean, anytime you're you're yelling at a kid or making a kid feel bad, then it, it, that that is stemming from your own lack of self-confidence, that your own lack of self, you're not confident in what you're doing. So you get anxious when you're in a high leverage moment, like coaching a bunch of young kids that you've never done. Uh, and you're not educated on that space, you're going to be anxious, you're going to yell. So communicating that like you're doing with with these folks, these hearts and souls of communities that just want to volunteer their time um, to be able to give them the tools to do it correctly. It's everything. I mean, a, a, a light bulb moment for me came when one of my mentors, I'm in this, you know, come on, Sergeant, uh, wean out the non-elite player. Let's get the best players out here. Let's win games. Let's do it right. I'm in that zone. Um, I'm ashamed to say it. I'm sure I've shoved some kids uh, away from the game because of my tone. And then I see my mentor, uh, his name's Sean Flicky. Uh, he went to Stanford, been coaching for years. I had this kid in my group that was being disrespectful, just would not listen, disruptive during team meetings, disrespectful to players. And I was like, coach, Sean, I'm, I'm spent. I, I got nothing left. I've tried everything. I've tried to be kind. I've tried to be calm. I've tried to be stern. I've tried to award the, the people that are doing it right. This kid is just not doing it. And not, now I'm angry. Sean takes the kid. They walk about 30 yards over to the right field bleachers and they sit for an hour. And I kept peeking over there watching Mr. Miyagi and, and the, and the disruptive kid. And they didn't speak. They're just quiet. Wow. And I keep hitting my ground balls and I keep looking over there. Finally, the hour's over with the kid comes back smiling and has a great rest of the day. No more problems. At lunch, I go over, I'm like, okay, Mr. Miyagi, what's your secret? What'd you do there? And he's like, nothing. I listened. I listened to the kid. I let him know that I am a man, an adult man that wants to listen to a child. I want to hear about your, your life. How's things at home? How's your mental health? How's your relationship with your mother and father, with your siblings? Nothing about baseball. It was all the person. It was the heart. And, and, and then he said, I gave that child something I never had as a kid, which was love. He, 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 uh, Sean came from a broken family, orphanage, just did not have that uh, father-son bond as well. And he, he's like, yeah, I gave the kid something I, I, I never had as a child. And then he walked away as to say, you'll probably figure it out in about 10 years, what I'm actually talking about. But good luck, kid. Uh, but watching that and wa watching that, no baseball be talked about, but just a connection of a, of a coach and a kid it changed that kid's life and it 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 really went oh i'm not here to make these kids major league players i'm here to make sure that they're a good father one day i'm here to make sure that they're not bullying other people uh at school i'm here to make sure they're respectful to their teachers 
and that they're great servers of their community one day. To be completely honest, none of them are going to make it to the majors. And maybe a few of them will make it to college. That's just the reality. That's the numbers. Uh, but that's still not even the reason I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm, I'm coming from this place of love because a great coach changes lives. You know, a good coach might change a game, might win a game, might win a trophy. But I think the great coach is more in the business of changing lives. And uh, when you look from that lens of make it so fun, they want to come back tomorrow and build their character. If you're trying to build a kid's character, they're going to show up early and take BP. They're going to stay late and take those ground balls. They're going to dedicate themselves in school. Uh, that way they go to college and, and they can be a, a student athlete. It's not athlete student, you're student athlete. So all, all these things I learned. I learned the hard way. I failed. And, and I'm sure glad I had some mentors that guided me down the right path. I mean, you touched on so many good things. I'm not even sure where to dive in there. Um, you know, first, when you talk about, you know, your journey as a coach, I think we all, we all live that. You know, when I, was, when, I, when I started coaching for the first time, I wanted to help so much, I found myself just flooding kids with information because I was, you know, I just finished playing. I wanted to help. I knew what they needed to fix. And then, you know, after about a year or so, I had to take a step back and realize that, all right, this kid's 10. He probably has no idea what I'm talking about. Let's go, you know, day by day. Let's keep it simple. Let's, let's slow down. So, you know, I definitely relate to, you know, your feeling of kind of transitioning as a coach. You know, we, we pride ourselves on trying to get better every day. And, you know, in our coaches clinic, we talk about, you know, none of us have it all figured out. You know, we're learning from each other. We're learning from our coaches. And I, I learned something from a, from a youth coach at our coaches clinic last week on a different variation of a drill that I was teaching. And it was awesome. The guy coaches 9U Little League, and he's like, well, what do you think about this drill? And I thought it was awesome. I used it the next day in one of my lessons. And, you know, I think more coaches need to be open to, to, to new ideas and creative ways. And that's why I love your stuff so much. You, you know, you just you find fun ways to do things. And, you know, the one thing I was going to jump into is what we call our coaches toolbox. And when, when coaches come to our clinics, we use Frisbees, we use discs, we use balance beams and dodgeballs. And I see that you, you know, you, you're walking with your little, uh, I'm not even sure what you call it, your little uh, like carriage there with all of your stuff, your gloves and your props. You know, what's in your coach's toolbox? Yeah, well, my toolbox is, is a lot of art. I, I, I've always been a drummer. Um, that, that my parents saw me uh, as a kid watching the drummer at church when I was three and just staring at him. So they got me a drum kit. And to this day, at age 40, when I sit down and play a drum, I feel like a kid. So that, that is a, that's a place of, of safety for me. I just, it's like going home. Um, so I always sit on this cajon drum and, and I'm popping on that thing. And, and that is a tool of joy. Uh, that, just that just brings this vibe of, wait a second, driving a ball to the opposite gap is not his first priority. Uh, the, the, the first tool I see is this drum that he's wailing on. And then he's got another drum, a conga drum, in the on-deck circle for the kids to play. That started out as, as something to get the kids out of the dugout uh, so, so they, you know, they wouldn't be tickling each other and not paying attention to the game. Like the on-deck batter is going to be playing this drum and watching the game. So you have these kids start to pay attention a little bit more because they want to play that drum. It brings a joy. It brings a life. It brings this party atmosphere that we're, we're witnessing in the World Baseball Classic, which I absolutely love. 
the second tool is, is nicknames. That that is a big one, and it's the first thing I do when I meet a kid is I I look him right in the eye and I say, "Hey, what is your name?" And you know, right away, based on how they share their name, John, James, Samantha. Bill, like you can tell what kind of kid you got right out of the gates. I've got the gregarious one. I've got the shy one. I've got the, uh, I'm not sure about this thing one. You've got the, the, you can even really tell based on that, like how much experience they have in social situations. So uh, right away, I'm connecting, reading the, the child based on their name. And then I say, okay, first rule of Sandlot, you got to have a nickname. So let's find something. What's your favorite thing to eat? What's your favorite superhero? Uh, what's your favorite thing to do other than baseball? And right there, we come up with a nickname. Maybe it's their favorite player, uh, their favorite Disney character, uh, you know, their favorite cereal, whatever it might be. We find something they like, and then that is that. So I'm able to memorize all these nicknames, A, because I'm a drummer. I've always been a drummer, and I memorize uh, music, you know, in this certain part of my brain. So I think that has a lot to do with how I can memorize nicknames, but prioritizing it and then connecting a story to a face, that's everything. I, I would never remember anybody's real name, but when you have a, a kid named John that says, I love sushi and I love fruity pebbles. And, and then you, you know, you connect that face and that story, boom. Okay. We're going to call you fruity sushi, uh, or, uh, uh, show hey pebbles or uh, eternal desert boy or Lloyd Christmas you know as some of these kids now they'll come up to me and they're like I already know my nickname coach it's gonna be this and then I say well why is that your nickname but I think the most important part of that is you're letting the kid know right away that you're a listener uh, they're probably used to coaches being the talker I that's how I started I wanted to fuel all that information at him as well I wanted to impress the parents with all the information I knew. Meanwhile, I am uh, I am basically leading that kid out the door saying, go try something else because I'm being too hard on you and I'm boring you. So one, right away, you're a listener, you wanna engage, you're the fun coach, you've got that. And then it, it, it is about character. Uh, I award kids for character. That's, that's another big tool of mine is I have baseball cards that I'll pull out of my pocket. And if a kid's hustling, bang, here's a Mickey Tettleton, 1992 Donruss. Uh, oh, you're cheering loudly. You're drumming from the on-deck circle louder than anybody else. Uh, you know, here's a Ken Griffey Jr. You're being kind. Everybody that gets out, you're running up to them, giving them a fist bump saying, I've gotten out too, showing that empathy and that leadership by example. Uh, here's a baseball card. And at the end of every Sandlot or camp day, whatever I'm doing, we have a special award ceremony where each assistant coach, many of whom have graduated from the program and are now, uh, you know, assistant coaches. Uh, that's a really cool thing to see. Uh, they each give an award that day to the person that that led by example that had the best choices. So I, I'm not awarding the home runs. I'm not awarding the the fastest pitcher. Uh, those are good things. Yeah, fist bumps and attaboys and attagirls for that. But the priority is is the choices. Uh, that you make. So that's some of my tools. So being hired as the youth ambassador for, for Major League Baseball, how do you plan to use that platform to promote the values that you believe in as a coach? You know, that's a pretty amazing honor 
you know, so congratulations on that, first of all. But man, that's that must have been a dream come true. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm honored. And and there were many good people that that opened the doors for me there and then, you know, gave me the opportunity to prove myself. So m many thanks to uh, to many people getting me in the door. Play ball aligns with coach ball game and the Sandlots perfectly. Uh, they go into into inner cities where kids can't afford uh, baseball equipment. They find fields and they put on free camps. And, and it's all about getting kids to love the game. And meanwhile, uh, if possible, let, let's teach them to be better human beings as well. So I wanted that job as soon as I heard about it. And I just tried to weasel my way through the front door, got shut down, went to the back door, went through the window, tried to figure any which way I could could try and get this job. And once I, I finally got an opportunity, I was ready. I was prepared. I've been coaching for 15 years and I get out there and I give everybody a nickname. I tell the Roberto Clemente story, which is something I tell at every camp for every kid that I coach, because that's very important. A poor kid uh, growing up in Puerto Rico, using a lemon for a ball and a stick for a bat, uh, walking every day to carry this milk to earn one penny a day so he could uh, earn enough money to buy his own bike, uh, becoming one of the best baseball players of all time. Uh, but then being well, well more known for uh, for his kindness and and flying to places and loading up airplanes full of gifts and giving to the poor. That's who I'm talking about today, kids, uh, to be able to share that story and give each kid a nickname. It's just amazing. And then when when you add the the uh, player aspect where MLB players past and present come and and join in. I'm basically the MC. I, I, you know, I have the microphone and I'm leading the stretches and I'm, uh, you know, dividing the kids up by stations. Uh, and then the the players, the major leaguers, they just get to engage, have a lot of one-on-one -on -one contact and, and, you know, they're tossing BP and things like that. But I have found that what I love to do, which is have a microphone and be in front of a hundred kids and entertain them, that's a necessary thing. It's a space that's not really tapped into. And and guys like Bo Bichette and Andre Dawson and King Griffey Jr. And, you know, all these great players uh, that I've gotten to meet, they, they're like, you do your thing, ball game. And then I'll just be here to to add a little bit of color. So it, it's it's a thing I love to do. And and to kind of feel like I'm I'm um, filling up a void that, that was needed. It, it, it makes me very proud. So I'll hit 10 different places this year. I've already been to Tampa. I'll go to Washington, D.C. in a couple of weeks. And, and then we'll hit uh, other, other great places like Cooperstown, Pittsburgh for Roberto Clemente Day, All-Star Game in Seattle, and then uh, the World Series as well, uh, among a few other spots. So uh, on top of my Sandlot tour that I do on my own, I love going – uh, going with MLB and and doing that whole thing that that's just a joy uh, to to see a bunch of kids that have never even seen a bat or seen a ball and just introduce them to a batting stance and and to see their their faces after they hit that first ball. If you ever watch a kid when they and maybe somebody that hasn't played much or a kid that's experienced, if you actually throw a pitch and then you watch them drop their bat and run and you watch their face as they go to first base man, that'll bring you joy. That'll bring you even more joy than actually watching the ball and seeing the backspin and seeing actually how hard it was hit. 
uh, I love to watch those faces as they run to first base. That's really cool. You know, I, I actually worked one of those camps when I was in college. I played at Temple University down in Philly, and uh, I think the Phillies and Harold Reynolds was was running one right outside the ballpark. It had to be had to be like 2008 or 2009, but it was so much fun. You know, all the inner city kids came, played a wiffle ball home run derby. They had the little field, you know, built up. So envious that you get to do that as much as you do because that was just it was very rewarding to see kids that you know you had no idea what their home life was like you had no idea what they went through on a daily basis and they kind of just you know let free for the day and hung out with some big leaguers and you know we were just college players at the time but you know just got to enjoy the day with them yep it's just joy and and, and a lot of these kids they don't have uh an adult figure that's going to come up to them and and be interested in what they have to say you know, uh, and, and, and be engaging and, and every major leaguer I've seen, they are all about it. This is, this is something that brings them lots and lots of joy. And, and, you know, the, the one we just went to in Tampa, Bo Bichette, his hometown, he, he put this thing on and he's putting his, his own money into funding, uh, uniforms, paying for umpires and, and, and allowing kids to play for free, uh, in his town in the Tampa area. And, and he's a kid, you know, that that's uh, he doesn't share a lot. You don't see you don't see much uh, from him. You know, he stays pretty cool. But to see him light up when these kids found out that, you know, they're going to be able to play baseball a couple times a week for free and get uniforms and have umpires and foul lines and scoreboards. Uh, he lit up. And, and that's what I'm noticing from a lot of these great players in the majors is um, that's that's what fires him up. That's awesome. Tell us a little about this movie, you know, that uh, I've seen you, you know, looking at your social media. It's a, this big movie came out of baseball. Can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah, it, it's called Rally Caps. And uh, so I haven't mentioned this, but, you know, I, I did mention I was a drummer. And, and after college, I expected to be a major league baseball player, did not get drafted, uh, even though I was the career hit by pitch record holder at Brown University and second team all Ivy uh, did not make it. So I said, okay, what else do I love? Uh, and thankfully I had parents that didn't, they didn't push me to settle. Uh, they, they, they wanted me to pursue what I loved. They saw the life in that. Um, they saw the death in, in settling uh, into something I don't love. So uh, I moved to California and, and I pursued every, everything I loved, which was writing, music, acting, improvisation, coaching kids, baseball. I mean, that was my life. And, I, you know, to pay the bills, I waited at lots of tables and substitute taught and, and did a lot of other odd jobs to, to get by. But at no point did they say, Hey, why don't you use this degree, this Brown degree and, and be, you know, be a, go to wall street or, or something like that. Uh, they just, they allowed me to fail at the things I loved. And, and now I've gotten to this point where I can marry all of those things uh, on a baseball field. I play the drums. I recite poetry. I dress up as different characters. And in, in those years where I was pounding the pavement as an actor, I was in an acting class. And uh, my buddy Casey, uh, who uh, was, you know, like a lot of us, just struggling actors, he started doing some writing. And uh, here I am. I'm now, you know, this was a couple of years ago, maybe 37, 38. I get a call from him. It's like, hey, buddy, hadn't seen you in a while. I was like, yeah, I had had kids. 
I, I can't really chase the acting career anymore. So I'm, I got to feed these kids. And he's like, I was in a writing class with, uh, with a guy who's doing a baseball movie and he just wants to talk with you. So I, uh, I got on the phone with him. Uh, his name's Lee. And uh, he had written this script and he said he, he wanted to make this something like the Sandlot again, just something just to bring back a wholesome family friendly movie about baseball. Uh, and he offered me this part and it was basically coach ball game just in a movie script. And we kind of tweaked the dialogue a little bit uh, to fit me. And it almost didn't happen a couple different times because you know, I, I, I would have had, to, it was sh shooting in upstate New York. So leaving my family here and, and basically setting aside a few weeks of my own uh, baseball work uh, to go over there and, and do this thing, it was pretty risky, but had to talk with my wife and I was like, you know what, Th this movie's going to last forever. And, and I do not want to regret not, not trying to do it. Well, I sign on to do it. Then we get Judd Hirsch on board and Amy Smart uh, who are very well-known actors and great actors. And we shot the movie and I, I got to do my thing. And now here we are uh, about a year and a half later and it's been edited down. It's been submitted into film festivals and it's a really good movie that I think, or, you know, we, we've got a few different buyers that are going to, uh, they're going to take it and they'll put it on their platform. I don't know if that'll be Disney plus or Netflix or Hulu or what, but it's, it's a movie about a kid who goes to a camp and and the the camp kind of changes his life in a positive way, and uh, for me to be able to be that camp counselor and uh, spread that coach ball game message of of joy and character uh, and do it in a in a Hollywood picture, uh, that's pretty cool stuff. You know, kind of staying along the same topic here, but what advice would you have for parents? You know, to to encourage their children. You know, you spoke about it a little bit before about how you know your genuine love for the game came from your family and and the Cubs and, and your dad you know what advice would you give to a mom or dad because we see a lot of those parents that are forcing them to specialize or forcing them to train and you know you seem like you took a completely different route you just talked about you know getting that Ivy League degree and still feeling the freedom to go chase what you loved yeah I I, I mean the word I always think of is listen listen to your kid and, and kind of pay attention to your kid uh, are they running to the field? Are they super excited to go to the field? If they are, say, okay, let's go play, uh, let's go play chess uh, on Tuesdays. And then you can go back to the field on Wednesdays. Oh, you're dying to go play baseball. All right, let's try golf. And if you, if, if you like, you know, if you, uh, if you try that and go back. And if, if you, if you notice any pushback uh, of, of wanting to go to that field, I mean, it's important for you to listen and have conversations about that uh, because the child needs to be well-rounded. Uh, the child needs to become a good swimmer uh, to, to you know, become a great baseball player. Mike Trout is a great outfielder because he was an all-state basketball player. So really look through the lens of, am I making this person a well-rounded athlete and human being? Uh, because there's no way I would have won a spot in right field at Brown University, a position I'd never played uh, as a freshman, unless I'd played football and basketball. I was an athlete. I, I was able to uh, take that good first step because I was an outside linebacker. Uh, I was able to, uh, you know, go chase down fly balls because I was uh, a, a good defender in basketball. I learned to be. 
so man, no substitute for becoming a great, well-rounded athlete. Uh, and specialization is important for the elite player. Travel ball is important for the elite player, but you got to be looking through the right lens as you guys are. You're looking through a lens of big picture. So uh, for, for the parents, the word is listen. The word is pay attention to your child and then be quiet. Like be quiet during the games, go get some popcorn and smile and just, just be quiet. And I think you're going to notice some really good things. Uh, and then as far as after the fact, after the game, yeah, listen. And then good conversations can come. But I'm a big believer uh, of of being loud for the positive and, and being very quiet when there's constructive criticism necessary. And, and that's kind of backwards from what I've noticed uh, when I go watch soccer. Uh, you see a lot of loud in the present yelling. And, and I, I would say, hey, let's be quiet and do it past tense. After it's happened, after they've kicked the goal, after they've swung and missed, like do the past tense claps. Uh, you're not allowed to do anything in the present moment. Allow the coach to, uh, to do their thing. And then, and then I'll just allow the kid to learn. Like I have two daughters who are in dance and they're not winning first place in their dance competitions every single time, but I'm not upset about that at all. I'm so excited that they're nine years old and they're getting to experience these nerves and these emotions in a high leverage moment in front of an audience. Uh, they've learned uh, the, the aspect of teamwork and and work ethic to get to this point and they're experiencing all of this that's going to help them become a, a great adult that's going to help them when they're in high school and they have to take a a tough test that's going to help them when they're trying to apply for jobs and and go through very tough times in relationships parenthood all of it these experiences that's what it's about so when you see your child strike out three times in a game sure it hurts but when they get through that, when they can respond from that and overcome it, they're going to learn so much outside of the game. So, again, long-winded long -winded answer, uh, but the short version is pay attention and listen. That's good, man. That's really good. Well, thank you so much. You know, we, we, we were excited to, to have you on the podcast and to, and to talk to you. You know, I know during, the, uh, during COVID and all that stuff, you and I – kind of connected and I actually pulled up uh, this morning on the on the YouTube of when we were actually talking for the first yeah. time because we were doing the same stuff inside here. Steve, myself, the, the building was closed for six months, but we had people coming in just to connect with the athletes saying, hey, we're still, you can still do stuff at home. We're still, you know, we're with you, that sort of thing. So I thought it was just awesome how we were both doing the same thing at the same time and then kind of connected with that and, uh, you know, so... I think that's awesome. So thanks so much for being on today. Oh, thanks. You guys are awesome. Keep doing the good work. And uh, and I, I got to get by the, the home office there uh, in my travels. Definitely. One of these days. Well, thanks so much, Coach Ballgame. We really appreciate it. Have an awesome day, man. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a good day. Well, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. The Get Zoned In podcast. That is a wrap, and we'll see you next time, and go dominate the day.